0: I realize now that I forgot to write down what I actually wanted to say for this intro, much like how they forgot to write down the script for this movie. We watched Love and Dynamite, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies.
1: In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all... Hop like
2: a bunny, darling.
1: Hop like a bunny. Hop like a bunny, I'll shoot your ass in the knee! Hop like a bunny!
0: Hello and welcome to another remote episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven, recording down in Aurora, Oregon, which was featured for three seconds at the beginning of Harvest of Fear. And coming uh, coming to us from uh, up north is uh, Brian the Unipiper Kid. How are you, Brian? i'm hopping like a bunny (laughs) (laughs) nice and of course mark middleton working hard to get all this technology
1: wrangled how are you mark i'm doing fine as soon as we went live uh our live stream crashed uh and we brought it back up before the end of the clip so uh those people on facebook missed about 10-15 seconds
0: Oh, well, they are poor for it. Uh, this month, we have a movie called Love and Dynamite. It is a movie directed and written by uh, Stephen Miller, who, uh, if you listened to last month's episode of Portland at the Movies, you will remember, was the director of Backtime, uh, a movie we all we all quite enjoyed. And so we decided to go through his, his filmography of three movies uh, and do Love and Dynamite. Which uh, I'm holding here on VHS Which was the copy we were able to We were able to watch Uh, The movie stars Dan Haggerty Of uh, Grizzly Adams fame (laughs) uh, Which I realized I never watched And I always get that confused with The guy from Gentle Ben Who has that reaction gif of like the (laughs) Loving, approving father
1: Yeah Gentle Ben and, and Grizzly Adams were contemporaries, and they both had grizzly bears named Ben on their show. Uh, oh, did they? <laughs> yes, I watched. Oh them wow both. were
0: they Were they extant stories before that, nope. or was one like a, a now, it quick. Was, we need to also have a show. I, I,
1: that's what I think. You know, they were just okay. They lived in the Everglades and had a grizzly bear. You know, like you did. <laughs> And so I think they were like, trying to get the like Tiger the, King, the flipper slash Grizzly Adams <laughs>
2: mesh.
0: This 70s show where every every co-star had to be a wild animal. <laughs>
2: Did you catch how they had to work in the one line referencing Grizzly Adams in this movie?
0: Yes, he was big. It was Grizzly. <laughs> so uh, who wants to set up this movie? Because
1: I don't.
2: I don't. I have a question. Okay. I, could you read the first sentence from the description of the movie on the back of your VHS tape? Uh, yeah, I'll just actually
0: read the whole thing because it's not very long. So it says, in the action comedy Love and Dynamite, Dan, uh, Dan Grizzly Adams Haggerty plays Burl Woods, a divorced husband, loving father, and outraged bomb builder. With his sexy daughter runs away from home, pursued by a sleazy private detective, Burl, hi- Burl hires ex-cop Hugh Kelso uh, and his shy teenage son, Zach, to find and protect her. Uh, Zach falls for the girl while Burl prots his revenge on his ex-wife. This explosive blend of comedy, mystery, and romance turns family squabbles into citywide chaos wow, that is not at all what I figured this movie was about.
2: <laughs> that is what I think they were going for in making right. this movie, but failed spectacularly.
0: Right. And uh, like I mentioned at the, at the beginning, there was a framework, I think, for this movie, but they forgot to write out a script and sort of... And I actually uh, had time this past week to contact David Walker, who, of course, shows up in the final the final scene of this movie... Uh, To ask his uh, memories, so uh, maybe I'll get to that first, the first little tidbits of his right now. So let me, let me see here. Uh, he's actually never, I sent him a link to the movie and he said, oh man, I never saw this movie all the way through. And I tried, but I couldn't even make it all the way through. (laughs) So his, his scene, uh, which he plays the preacher at a funeral, uh, his scene was shot in Vancouver close to battleground. The director asked me to do the scene and write my own dialogue. And so wow. he just kind of messed around with some of his, uh, what he was kind of, whatever came to mind. He was 20 or 21 when this was made. Uh, his friend JR was one of the leads. So which one was he? He also showed up in uh, Fatal Revenge.
2: Yes. Um, so his friend JR plays Zach in this movie, the main uh, son. Really? Yes. Interesting. And- oh, wow. Yes. And in Fatal Revenge, he played one of the goons of the main henchmen. You're right now.
0: I totally remember (laughs) that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, his friend Jr. was the, was lead Zach, and he got this performance based on uh, Stephen Miller's last movie, or, or first movie, Visions, which is the one movie we have not watched yet. Uh, David said, if I remember this correctly, most of the scenes were improvised. They shot much of it, uh, much of the movie on video, but uh, this was back in the day that video, they wanted to process it so that uh, it looked more like film. <laughs> David said, but something went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that process was ever done. Um, uh, he said, "the It's interesting to see the names of the, uh, the people in the critics because, or in the credits, uh, because a lot of people are no longer in the business, uh, but some have actually moved up, uh, like David Kress, who I did not look into." Um, so anyway, Tom Shaw's cameras uh, were used for some of it, uh, and David Walker didn't mention a point that I thought too when I watched his scene. I was like, "This does not." Sound like David Walker. Like, and I know he's doing um, like a character and a different character than him, and it's 30 years ago, but I was like, that just doesn't sound like David. And I'm like, well, whatever. It's just, you know, I don't know David. (laughs) Like, he's like a close personal friend or whatever. But David said too that when he watched his thing, he watched it. uh, He says, it sounds so different than my voice, and he's not sure what they did. Uh, so huh. I don't know if they ended up um, dubbing his voice. He didn't. He didn't think so. Um, but wow. Yeah, it just it was it was very weird. And I was like, that doesn't sound like David, but I don't know him enough to have said that. But it's funny he said that.
2: His scene in this movie is just so different from every other character. It's and alive. I'm wondering how much direction they gave him to go in that direction with what he did with that character.
0: He None. He was just doing all that stuff. I think he was working on some (laughs) stand-up material back then, and that was Mm -hmm. just kind of what, because he was doing it a lot of uh, like Red Fox and a lot of James Brown he was throwing references in and just nonsense. So I think that's basically the direction everyone got was, we'll kind of make it up as we go. Go your own direction. Yeah, Yeah. everybody's just kind of doing their Uh, own thing, which I mean, to be fair to the actors in this movie, I thought they all did a pretty fine job.
2: So the, to, to tell the audience, you know, what David Walker ended up doing, you know, here's the scene taking place at a funeral. And it's an entirely, you know, uh, white crowd at this funeral. And then David Walker shows up and starts spouting off about uh, the white devil judicial system. <laughs> and
0: We should play. Mark, do you have uh, any clips uh, that you can queue up? I can don't. you hear my computer if I do it? Uh, uh, probably we can try. Uh, let me see. Hold on here. Can you hear that? No. No. Okay. Well, anyway, I might I might drop some in there, but um, but yeah, he's just totally yeah James Browning up up this funeral at the
2: end, which was pretty great. And it's amazing because I feel like a couple of times throughout this movie. Just when you were starting to like doze off, there would be a scene out of left field to just wake you up. And that's entirely what David Walker does.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, like the, it was or like great. the dream sequence where suddenly uh, <laughs> suddenly Zach is dressed in a giant milk carton and the female lead is dressed like Maria from Sound of Music but shooting shooting guns at him. A rocket launcher. That did legitimately make me laugh because we cut to this dream sequence and Zach, the main character, is dressed up as a giant milk carton. I couldn't quite figure that out. Um but and then we see Lee and what's the name of the female character? We're gonna call Daughter. her
2: by her act name because okay. the story will come back to that. So her name is Dana. We'll get back to Dana later. Okay.
0: So yeah, Dana is dressed like Maria from the sound of music and they're, um, running to each other in a big field and it's all cute. And, but then, uh, Dana pulls out a gun and starts chasing him. And it's funny. And then it's just a wide shot where she chases him in the milk costume ac- all the way across. And then they come from the other way and she's in a tank <laughs> shooting a gun and then it escalates once more where she's running at a running at him with a bazooka and like blows him up that made me
2: laugh i had i admit it it w- it very much reminded me of the scene from uh, his next film uh, that we watched last month, Backtime, uh, when they were just suddenly in the gorge running around and playing. Oh, right, he does he does love his nature
0: his nature montages, uh, but there were some f- I, I I legitimately funny moments in it, and I just kept thinking like, it was fairly clear that you know people were kind of improvising and riffing off each other, and if this movie this movie needs um, Topher Grace to come in and do a phantom edit of this because this would make like a really funny like twenty-five minute short film. Yeah, and I felt bad because I felt like the actors were hung out to dry, like they were just told to like, keep riffing, keep riffing, keep riffing, and so you do thinking that they'll cut around, make it snappy, make it look. <laughs> no,
1: no. no. Uh, when they were doing this, the stakeout and the and the son and father, you know. PI team are in a car wait you know, you can just tell that they were just stuck in a car and all right make small talk and yeah and they and it,
0: it was, did the small talk was like super traumatic though because it's the father and the son and the son's like, "Oh, so uh you never loved me and blame everything on me?" And the dad's like, "Well, to be fair, I also blame your mom for everything." And it's like, "What what?" And he's like, "You know, for everything." <laughs> "Well, for what, dad?" "Oh, <laughs> well, for anything. It doesn't matter. I just blame you." And I'm like, "What is going on?" <laughs> like, what are we gleaning from this conversation? It's terrifying. <laughs> I did. Well, it is worth mentioning too that the father. So I guess Brian, do you want to set up this movie? I guess we never
2: got to that point. No. um, (laughs) Okay. So the setup is that we have uh, our main protagonist, um, who I do not know his name, but uh, easily enough, he has a he only has one arm, so we can just call him the one arm. Hugh.
1: Yes. Hugh is his name.
2: Okay. Hugh. Q the one arm so it's actually starts um, I should back up it starts uh, with Jr um, playing the son Zach and he's writing a story as in maybe he's writing the script for the movie that we're actually watching. Well, um, he did fairy... that.
0: This movie had no script. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think what they were going for was the Ferris Bueller setup. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't giving... sure.
0: I wasn't sure if that setup of him at the typewriter saying, like, this story is about my dad. My dad's on a stakeout. I didn't know if that was supposed to be, like, oh, this whole thing is fake or if that's his therapeutic thing of, like, turning a, a traumatic situation, you know, and, and art therapy or whatever. So I couldn't quite figure out what we were supposed to believe there.
2: Yeah, I think it was supposed to be that he is telling the entire story, like, after it has all taken place. Um, okay. He's typing it into a computer, and it, it cuts back to uh, the moment where his father lost his arm when he was a, a police officer, and he was on a case at the uh, car wash at 82nd and Gleason. Oh, is that where that was? Specifically <laughs> call oh, out.
1: Yeah, he he does, and that is a real car wash, and, and they shot it at that real car,
0: car wash. Is that car wash still there? Yep.
2: Yeah. Oh wow. He's a washman at 82nd and Gleason. That's um, funny. At the end of the movie, in the credits, they give a special thanks to Hannah Car Wash, and I did a little research and found out that uh, Hannah was this guy, the last name of a fellow who owned uh, a car wash empire in Portland, and he designed all of the equipment that he would then sell to other people to install into their car washes. Oh um, wow. Then, Later in his life, he uh, went on to help start the car, uh, car- uh, Washman car wash empire here in Portland. Wow.
0: So he I wonder if the, his dynasty was toppled by the Katie family of Katie car wash car. because uh, Mark actually you and I used to yep. uh, work do marketing with them. But I think Katie car wash is only in a certain area and like there's a big turf war <laughs> I think between the car wash dynasties. So maybe someday someone will make a movie about that.
1: Didn't we make an ad once that they pronounced it wrong, like Caddy Car Wash? They, yeah, Caddy Car Wash, and, and, and I had to go back and tell them to redo
0: it. That was a fun day. client <laughs> freaked out. <laughs> As they should. Uh. Um. Anyway, so, yeah,
2: so. Uh, yes, so Hugh, the one-armed Hugh, uh, but at this, he 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 has two arms at this point, um, right. and he's he's on this case, and he he comes up upon a car. This is at night. And he gets sucked into the car through the window somehow. Somehow. <laughs> am, I, am I remembering that? Yeah, he,
0: or into the trunk. Well, not into the trunk, I guess, because he ends up no. inside the car. But yeah, it's like he's looking in the window, and somebody pushes the button to turn the car wash on, and that sucks him into the car. So maybe maybe we're led to believe he's bumped in by one of the pieces of machinery.
2: Yeah. So then he rides through the car wash, and when he comes gang with guns pointed at him, and uh, they just go Bonnie and Clyde on him, but somehow he survives and and loses an arm.
0: Well, the lady, the people who attack him, like, the lady is going to shoot him at, like, point blank or whatever, but then she chooses not to and just, like, rides away. And then we never hear from her again. I don't know what that, who she was or how that ties to the story, other than he loses his arm.
2: But what I loved (laughs) is she kind of looked punk a little you know maybe a leather jacket on a motorcycle um, and then they describe later uh, when he is reliving this moment uh, Hugh is calling them yuppies on motorcycles oh and I, don't I think
0: that
2: yeah he, the yuppies on the motorcycles and I, I just don't think the word means what he thought it meant <laughs> <laughs>
0: it did look like they were just like right out of the outsiders or whatever or Red Dawn Oh, uh, that's funny. But yeah, it is worth noting too that uh, Portland has an interesting track record now of motion pictures that have lead stars who uh, have some sort of disability. We've had Marley Matlin in her several movies, uh, who is heart, um, hearing impaired, uh, Defila as well. Now we have mm-hmm. this one where I'm glad at first I thought they were trying to, going to try to like do the, arm-tied-behind-the-back back one armed man, but this seemed to be just legitimately a man with one arm who I think was great in the role. And uh, so that's an interesting uh, niche that, that Portland is carving out.
2: Yeah, and we also have uh, he won't get far on foot with walking oh, right, right in the wheelchair. That's right. Yeah. Wow,
0: what a that, that, what a legacy we're leaving that we're that we're finding here. I did laugh so at the very beginning. We're introduced to this family. Like I said, the father is the is the one armed man. That uh, the kid and then the wife, and it's kind of showing that the dad has been depressed since he lost his arm the year before and is trying to get back on his feet. And they're all at breakfast and the, and the mom and the son are trying to encourage the dad, you know, just get back out there and get, you know, get the, here's the wanted ads, get a job. And the dad's like, well, uh, look how much I'm, look how much I've already come this year. And he picks up three oranges and he's getting ready to show them that he's going to juggle these oranges and he takes his time. And he's like setting up and like getting his arms ready and then <laughs> tosses the three, the three oranges in the air and they just go, dunk. Dunk, thunk right on the table which I thought was so funny and so well yeah. done and that's why it's like these four actors like we're doing good things right it just needs to be like carved out it's like when they ask da Vin- like Da Vinci how do he carves out of Mar. he's like well you just carve the parts that aren't the elephant or whatever that old <laughs> quote was these these guys the David. needed someone to carve the parts out that weren't comedy <laughs>
2: That scene cracked me up, and it was kind of dark.
0: Yeah, totally. But it was it was great. They um, also, they also yeah. Well, finish finish kind of setting the stage here, Brian. I keep getting ahead of myself.
2: Okay, so from there um, we cut to the next uh, at home, and there's a package arrives on the doorstep, um, and Jr. and Hugh uh, discover inside is it's $1,000 cash and a photograph of a young woman. And uh, knowing that uh, Hugh's background was in the police force and he worked on a lot of missing children cases, um, he is assuming that somebody has left this money um, to hire him and find this girl. So with nothing better to do, um, the two of them, father and son, uh, hit the town and start asking around and then go on this uh, wacky adventure looking for this missing girl um, and that's the premise for most of the rest of the movie um, but uh, we eventually learn that um, the girl is uh, on the lam sort of because yeah. her father is uh, likes to build bombs and um, his father is trying to uh, kill her mother Um, And they are currently divorced, and the mother is soon to marry her lawyer um, for the sole purpose of stealing the money that is due to the girl when she turns 18. Oh, Um, what? Really? I I I didn't didn't catch any of that. I didn't catch any of (laughs) that. I
0: watched this movie twice.
2: (laughs) I did, too. Um, And I don't know. uh, you, You have to read between the lines a little bit. (laughs)
0: read between the improv (laughs) Uh, did either of you recognize there's a comic book store uh, in one scene
2: did either of you recognize that I did not recognize it but um, I did figure out where it was (laughs) oh (laughs) Todd scrambles I know
0: Uh, where is that at
2: Uh, it was a comic book store called Apache Books okay Um, and they're no longer around, but they were at 36th in Division. Okay. And they were also given a shout-out in the credits. And that's Okay. I, was I did
0: to notice I haven't re-looked at the, the end credits. The end credits, by the way, they run twice at the end of this movie, not as a mistake. They run the no. full credits. There's a little Marvel Cinematic Universe post-credits something or other, and then they play the full credits again. Which is insane. And still this movie is like barely 80 minutes long.
2: I've never seen anything like that in another movie. Like That's that, that is a cinematic first.
0: Like usually <laughs> in a case like that, there'll be like the credits, they'll show like the main stars. Then there'll be the post-credit scenes. And then it's like cinnamon Talk, you're like all of the rec catering and all that. But this one was literally just the full set of credits t- twice.
2: And I don't know if they did it as a joke. Um, and if, if it was intentional as a joke, it was one of those jokes that like they were committed to because, you know, you have to sit through five minutes of credits again and the joke doesn't get any funnier.
0: I literally think that it was just to make the movie longer than 80 minutes so that they could sell it to a distributor. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean that's the only uh, that and that's the reason why it's not cut down more than it. I mean they literally used every that, frame of footage that they shot
1: for this movie that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> the entire movie I was I, I felt like this was what was left on the chop, chopping room floor like it just it, it didn't feel like an edited <laughs> movie. It felt like all the scraps left behind of a of a movie right
2: so yeah you remember when uh anchorman came out and then they were able to create an entire second film from (laughs) everything that was cut from anchorman yes (laughs) that's like this movie but we only got we only cut cut the sequels.
0: like it's kind of like what i i don't know if this is a real term or not but like what i would think of would be called assembly footage is when you like Like, I was working on a video yesterday where I just kind of imported all of the raw footage, and I sort of put it in the order that it's going to go. You know, I haven't gone through and actually edited it together yet. I've just sort of assembled the framework for where I need it to go, and they were like, oh, oh, I guess we're done. We've hit 80 minutes. We might as well sell it. Look, Ma, a movie. (laughs) There was another moment that I really – so as this movie unfolds, our dad and son P.I. team go look for this girl. There's also another private investigator doing
2: something, but I'm not sure what he is doing. Yeah, I, so I, I, uh, I mind mapped this movie. I figured it out. <laughs> so uh, the second private eye team was hired by the stepfather uh, to find the girl. Because she goes missing because she doesn't want her creepy, soon-to-be stepdad to steal her money. So he hires that private eye firm to track her down. Um, And then our uh, Hugh, the protagonist, was hired as a private eye to also find the girl independently by her real father, Dan Haggerty, Grizzly Adams, the Unabomber. Right.
0: (laughs) Who is in this movie, I would say, Mm. conservatively... Mark, how, <laughs> what would you say? Two minutes? <laughs> <You> know,
1: like, <laughs> he, that's... He if you not count the bombs much. that he's setting off, like, he's not in it for definitely not more than, like, three minutes. But he is listed as one of the
0: producers.
1: Executive producer. Which shocked produce. me Because producer. I thought, well, it makes well, sense that they had, him. like... I mean, that... Yeah, it, uh Yeah. Can you hear me?
0: Uh, yeah, again.
1: Okay. it dropped out for a second. Yeah, the uh, executive producer is just somebody who put some money towards it.
0: But it surprised me that like usually like if he it would make sense if he wasn't the executive producer and they're like, hey, Dan Haggerty, we have forty dollars and dynamite. Can you spend a couple hours and we'll film you and that sort of thing. But like to be in the producer part and barely be in your own movie, I I
2: thought was very strange. I'm wondering if they did that in order to help entice him. And then they were like, we'll give you an executive producer credit and you'll get some royalties. And that way they could sell
0: it under his name as well.
2: Yeah. Wow. Um, but that does speak to uh, this director's M.O. seems to be spending a good chunk of change on one recognizable name and then building a movie around that.
0: That's right. That's
2: almost because it was Tom Baker in Back uh, time.
0: Wow, you're right. Stephen Miller, we've underestimated you again. (laughs) He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. We need to find him down. I'm hoping, because I'm going to put this, uh, I'll put this full movie on the Portland at the Movies uh, YouTube page. uh, So for people who would like to watch it, uh, and again, I'm hoping it triggers some sort of copyright flag so we can actually hunt down Stephen Miller and (laughs) give him a crown of achievement from, from Portland at the Movies.
2: And then one day we have to uh, add in there, too. It will be available at Movie Madness when we can uh, leave the house again. That's
0: right. That's right. All three of, of, of his his trilogy, the Miller trilogy. you are going to have to
2: add a Stephen Miller shelf at Movie Madness <laughs> when we get done with them. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> well, a shelf that holds three movies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, there was another.
0: Know... Oh, go ahead, Brian.
2: I, I was gonna say I picked up on another uh, director trademark in this film, um, and that seems to be uh, the the idea of a silent sidekick type character. Um, remember, we had Zymo, the the small person in, in the yeah. back time. <laughs> Hashtag in what this is movie, Zymo? In, in, <laughs> in this movie, we get uh, the silent um, junkyard attendant.
1: Oh, that's we right. Do.
2: Yeah. Who also acts as somewhat of a comic relief.
0: He does. Yeah, yeah. So Dan Haggerty's bomber character works at a junkyard and at the junkyard, there's like this other huge bearded guy who does not speak. That's right. And they treat him like he's like an animal kind of because when our main, <laughs> our when our dad private investigator comes to look for Dan Haggerty, the guy, the junkyard helper is just... Staring blankly at a television and like doesn't understand when the PI is like, can you turn the TV off or down? Or and he's just like, uh <laughs> It was so
2: weird. You know you're watching a Stephen Miller film when <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I, we, 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 we could add this to our the movie Madness is the the a little card you know like the tropes of Stephen Miller.
2: <laughs> Gosh, this movie, you know, when this movie works, it really works. And when it's not working, it does not work.
0: It does like, well, I'm looking back at, at my notes and there's a scene uh, in a plasma donation center where we kind of open up the scene on this guy that looks like Hall from Hall and <laughs> yeah. Or And so he's like, oh, man, you know, I, is it going to hurt? He's like concerned about the pain or whatever. And then a fight breaks out between the private investigators and Someone I I don't even know who, but like the tables get pushed over at the plasma center, and then they literally have a food fight, but with blood bags, which was amazing.
2: <laughs> I, again, I have never seen anything <laughs> like that in any film ever.
0: It was one. Like, I mean, it was like a Good Old Passion
2: pie fight, like blood bags. It was bags, a water, water balloon things. blitz with blood, blood bags. Blood, blood bags. <laughs> so there was almost more blood in that one scene than like in evil dead. <laughs> there was a lot of blood. It
0: was so great. And they threw a guy out the window and like actually did like a broken window thing. And so they paid for that, which I thought was pretty great. And then at the, at the end of the, at the, at the end of the blood fight, the runaway girl, um, uh, holds everybody at the plasma center, uh, at hostage and, like, points the gun at their head, and they all cover their head. And then she points it down at their crotch, and they all cover their crotch. And they do that, like, four times, and that got me to laugh, too. I thought that was <laughs> hilarious. And then she
2: tells everyone in there, put your hands in your pants. Yeah. Like, inst- instead inside, of putting your hands above your yeah. head, no, it's put your hands it's in your pants. Inside your pants. Which
0: was great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Hot, like yeah, that whole scene was insane.
2: Yeah. Watching that scene, I couldn't help but think like it's a good thing this was not set at the donation bank from frozen assets.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a
2: very different water balloon fight.
0: Ooh. Oh, boo. <laughs> yeah, so there we yeah, we keep saying it, but there are there are nuggets in here that are good, and the like. We the acting is good, and for it's, it's just a shame it was taffied out to this length.
2: When it was really boring, those terrible improv scenes to me, it it had very much of a Homer and Eddie vibe. That's what I felt like I was watching.
0: Wow, a, a damning con <laughs> condemnation if there ever was one <laughs> that a movie has Homer and Eddie vibes to it. <laughs>
1: I, I feel like a lot of the vibe was driven by the, that soundtrack. Uh, can we talk about the oh. soundtrack for a little bit? The, the, yep. It was, it was nonsensical at points that the style of music was uh, many times like uh, a calliope from a, <laughs> uh, a carnival, but that wasn't the vibe on the screen. It was, it, it, <laughs> like what you're having dialogue between <laughs> private investigators right now and not, uh, I did, I did hear and there was,
0: I, I forget now what the other song is, but there's another, uh, there's another song that they play in this. Um, and I think a lot of that, it was just music that they could use. But I will note that when I posted this on, uh, on YouTube, the, the YouTube copyright robots uh, co- uh, flagged me for, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven songs, all of which, uh, six of which are by Paul DeLay, who I don't know, uh, and one oh, guy wow. named Chris Marshall. So I have huh. a feeling he is friend of filmmaker Paul DeLay because that's all yeah. the music that was used.
2: So that's entirely what they did in this movie and we've seen this in other films too where you know the director knows somebody who has a band and then yeah. they just let that entire band be the soundtrack for the film and in the credits it says music by the Paul Delay Blues Band.
0: Oh, there we go.
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Wow. But yes yeah, sound sound also wasn't great like there wasn't a lot of like you would have the scene like the scene in the car wash for instance there was no sound like the the guy gets trapped in his car and then goes through the car wash in the car and there's like no sound for the car wash like you barely hear it it's like there you can kind of hear a washing machine like a block (laughs) away, and then that's it so it another way that the film just kind of seems unfinished
2: I think the music that would have been much better for the Blood Bank scene, like, if they just had the Benny Hill, you know, Yakima Sacks, that (laughs) would have been perfect. Uh, Totally.
0: What else? There was another kind of a running joke that started at the beginning where the son says... Oh the uh, the the they're dusting the package that they get with the money and the girl's picture in it at the very beginning they're dusting it for fingerprints and the dad you can tell again they're ad-libbing the dad's like and they use the mom's makeup they put some dust some makeup on there and use like the brush or whatever from the makeup kit to see if there's any fingerprints and the dad the kids like dad mom said we're not supposed to play with it with her makeup and the dad goes oh we're not playing with it how like how you play with it and the kid says um, what you did to th-, or the dad says we're not playing with it how you play with it what you did to that bunny. Ooh, and then it, like, trails off. It
1: shameful. So, yeah, what you did to
0: that yeah. Buddy, yeah. And so you're like, what? <laughs> but then later in the movie, when the son finds the runaway girl at a laundromat, the girl pulls out uh, Mace and, like, threatens with him. And he brings it up again and says something like, um, oh.
2: Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Bart, now do you have gonna... access to play the movie? I don't. Oh, no! Wait, Thing, that's not it. Things okay. keep on crashing out of my um.
0: But but says something like something also about how he the mace and the bunny incident. So now we have mace and a makeup and a bunny incident that was shameful. I like. I don't know what
2: to do with that information, but whatever it is, I don't like it. Well, he talks about um. Uh, there was an incident with uh, fat women in bikinis in the house next door, and they couldn't go outside for a month. Or He couldn't mow the lot. Now,
0: do you think that was the same incident as the rabbit incident?
2: No, no. Okay. I, I prefer Just... to think of these as separate incidents. And, and I like <laughs> thinking that he these incidents are a common occurrence in their life.
0: <laughs> yeah, so the quote... Uh, uh, he says there was an the son says there was an ugly incident next door with fat women in bikinis and lard and a tarp. I couldn't mow the lawn after that. Like <laughs> what? What is that supposed to mean?
2: Do you think it was improv? Improv?
0: Well, it had it to be. be, but to bring up the bunny improv twice was weird. Like this lard incident, like that only is mentioned once. So I could be, like, oh, okay, he improvised it there. But I had a feeling this bunny thing was supposed to be some sort of runner in it, which was very disturbing. Uh, could either of you find, uh, figure out where they, there's a, a stakeout and they're parked in
1: what? Like a, like a, uh, it was a really stream. weird yeah. area. Yeah. yeah i i could not
0: it looked like the type of street that would be like uh like in a huge cemetery or something like it like it was a little winding path type road instead of like it seeming like a main street it was very strange i'll have to post a picture of that i guess
1: yeah it looked like the area above 23rd over by you know cost plus kind of area and there's a little yeah maybe yeah right in that zone uh so there might be something I agree that's what it looks like West hills kinda, it was. Yeah, it, it wasn't that street But it was kind of in that vibe
0: There was also some overpass That the, the runaway girl walked over That was all gated and estranged Is that anywhere? I, it,
2: looked like that, um, it looked like that bridge That we sometimes uh, come across uh, That was in Foxfire mm, uh, Over by Goose Hollow? Yes that's what I thought Oh maybe Huh
0: <laughs> As I, we all just stare at each other Yeah. Now we're just like three old men on the porch Talking about how things <laughs> it, Well it used to be the old Johnson barn <laughs> It used to be the old Foxfire bridge <laughs>
2: um, There was a I, I did figure out what the restaurant was The restaurant scene oh. um, Was a Leipzig's Tavern In Selwood Hmm. Uh, which is no longer there. Now it's an Italian restaurant called Gino's.
0: Okay. I did wonder, there's also a market that the kid walks in uh, right after they say Selwood. And I think that might be one of the markets uh, in Selwood. And I usually go past that to go to the Goodwill outlet bins. But since I can't go there anymore, I can't confirm or deny that that's the Selwood market. But um, there was also a big sign in the background of one of the street ce- uh, uh, street scenes and it looked like a sign, um, a, a vertical sign that said showroom. And then at the bottom, kind of a horizontal sign that said McCoy. Did any of you recognize where that was? It was like street scene. I'll have to look up where that was. Um, there was another part that did make me laugh, though. So, um, so Dan Haggerty, through this whole movie, wants to kill uh, his ex-wife, who is the runaway girl's mom. And at the beginning of the movie, Dan Haggerty blows up the mom's house and kills the mom's new boyfriend, fiancé. Um, and so Dan, I guess, throughout this movie, sets off a couple other bombs. He puts a bomb in the casket of the dead fiancé. Was that to kill the mom? Like, the fiance, I couldn't yeah. figure out. Yeah, he and yeah. he
1: went to the cemetery to do that. You know, he was sitting in the limousine... <laughs> Or, oh, you're right. Like, or, uh, and he was watching, and he he came to a, a moment of self reflection and decided against it, and then threw the trigger out on the grass. That then the people, the mourners, found and then exploded the. We we, oh, we, we got okay. to keep the explosion and not uh, have any more deaths.
0: I think I'll end up dropping this uh, in when I edit it, so because um, it's pretty great. Uh, I'll, I'll, I think I'll drop in some of the the improv scene too. But uh, at the end, we find uh, Grizzly Adams on the porch of the sun, uh, the house of the sun, to say, "I look, look, son. I know you are dating my runaway daughter, and give her these flowers or whatever. And I have a message for her." He says, "Tell her I'm gonna tell her I'm gonna kill her mom." I hope that doesn't change the way she feels about me. <laughs> and then he makes the kid repeat it, and the kid, uh, the son, repeat it. And he does. He is so funny when he repeats back to Grizzly Adams. <laughs> uh, you're gonna kill. You're gonna kill her mom. Hopefully, she doesn't feel differently. Or what, he is. He does so good in that. And that little whole scene is so great. And then you hear uh, the answering machine recording of the mom, the runaway girl's mom. And the answering machine message says, "I'm not home now because my husband blew up my house. Leopold is dead, so the wedding is off. But if you'd like to go to his funeral, it's Wednesday. <laughs> it's Wednesday, which is
1: so funny." there There was another reference uh, as there was a a group getting together with hugh and and everybody and and the uh, the Hugh, the private investigator, was meeting the mom and right. and she's you know, how are you doing? oh i'm I'm fine. Oh, well, you had an explosion yesterday. Well, yeah, I lost all of my laundry you know, <laughs> and and he goes. Oh, and your fiancé, too, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, I lost my fiancé as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I,
0: it, it was interesting, and I, we keep saying it, that the performances, especially for a movie of this budget and kind of this caliber, like, we've seen so many on our list where the acting is just garbage from everyone, and I think everyone in this movie did a great job with what they were given. And they were just it was such a disservice what happened to,
1: that, to <laughs> just, their performances. The editor sucked. <laughs> Whoever. <And so.
2: laughs> <laughs> uh, did you happen to recognize the funeral home? I didn't, but if
0: David Walker said that they filmed his part, which was the um Cemetery. which was the funeral scene up in, in battleground. So it could be that that was filmed up
2: there. It looked a lot like the house from frozen assets. I'm not saying it was though.
0: Oh, you're right. They did. I did mean to, I'll, I'll take a screen capture of that and, and post it to see if anybody knows where that is too. But I did notice that house, uh, did, did seem very reminiscent of, of frozen assets. I wanted to read a little bit more of what David Walker wrote, um, He said his scene uh, was much longer... Uh, He said, I just remember the sermon I wrote was filled with James Brown and Stevie Wonder lyrics. And I kept saying things like I kept saying things like it says in the Bible that this is superstitious writing on the wall. I wanted it to sound like total nonsense. So, yeah. And you can hear him in the background because that scene is long. He goes, "I, I figured they would cut it down, but it just keeps going and going. You can just hear him going on and on in the
2: background. And it's it's pretty great. Wow, so they did cut stuff from this film.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> there is proof of that.
2: Um, wow. So, what sort of rabbit holes did you go down uh, researching this movie online? Did you find any information? I didn't
0: find much. Oh, and before we get there, the mom did. There was another joke that the mom says about how she was a. a the mom is a marriage counselor at the Birkenstock Clinic. Which was pretty funny. I just figured because everyone in Portland wears Birkenstocks. <laughs> I didn't know if there is a Birkenstock one, but I I thought that was kind of a funny joke. Uh, but I didn't really find any rabbit holes. What did What did you find, Brian? Uh,
2: well, at first, I, I let's say that I think we are the very first people to ever review this movie more than uh, an Amazon or an IMDb review. Like there is nothing, nothing out, out there on this film. Wow. I did, however, stumble down one rabbit hole when I was looking up some of the uh, actors in this film. Um, Did you happen to read the review that was on the Amazon page for this movie?
1: No, I didn't. I did.
2: There is one review, and I'm going to read it to you (laughs) because it sets up this rabbit hole that I fell down. Okay. So on Amazon it says, uh, the title of the review is How I Found My Dream Girl. Uh, I first saw this movie soon after it came out, 20 years ago. Uh, It was a day I'll never forget, not because of anything special about the day itself, but because I instantly fell in love with the co-star, Dana Haikila. Stunned, confused, full of longing for her beauty, but overwhelmed with wanting to protect her innocence, I began a long journey. I gave up university, learned how to handle high explosives, grew out my beard, did odd jobs throughout (laughs) Latin America Northern Africa and some places I just can't talk about. I did whatever it took to become the man I thought Dana could love. I did some brave things, some dangerous things. Basically I was braverous. <laughs> I also did some things I wasn't proud of. I still have dark dreams of those dark times, the kind of dreams where the bad guys are closing in, but you feel like you're running in two feet of glue. You have a gun, but the bullets just bounce off, making them matter and matter. There's also sometimes a penguin. What in the end though, I realize I could never have her. It was all of a little boy's dream, and I had wasted my life. I'm sure she's 220 pounds with six kids living in the woods in Oregon somewhere, but along with my scars, my broken dreams, and my missing digits, I'll always have my fond dreams of her as she was, and she was love and dynamite.
0: What? (laughs) Right? Written by Dan (laughs) Haggerty.
2: So... I went on What in the uh, world could that <laughs> possibly mean? Like after watching this movie, like how would you be inspired to to write that? Like does yeah, he, he have Go ahead. He had a different experience than we did, let's just say that.
0: <laughs> did he does he did he write any other reviews? Does he have a, an account that you looked into? What who is um. this person? Let's like see if, if, and, yeah, if this what did truly is the only review he's ever made. He is a psychopath. Uh,
2: six total reviews. Six total reviews.
0: What movies? Please, please tell me. <laughs> uh,
2: let's see. Other purchases he has reviewed include uh, a telemetry module number two, um, oh, okay. lithium ion batteries, uh, connect. I don't know what that is. Product no longer available. Samsung 32 gigabyte, micro SD, uh, (laughs) laser pointer, and love and dynamite.
0: What?
1: (laughs) So you said you went down Uh, a rabbit hole. Did you find anything about this?
2: Yes. So I was really curious what that girl ended up. Uh, I wanted to see if she did end up 220 pounds with six kids. Uh Um, So I did... I started by finding um, the one time she appeared in Oregon court um, for a uh, statute of violation of statute 811.100, which was an infraction Class B uh, speeding ticket, uh, where she apparently went to jail uh, and was released on $110 uh, bail. When was that, Um, what year? That was in 1987. Okay, so that's before so, this movie. A youthful
0: yeah. indistri- uh, indiscretion. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but then I found out she got married, and once I found her married name, uh, oh boy, did I find out what career she went on to have.
0: Melania Trump. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, she is actually on Spotify, and you can go listen to her right now if you want. She has 36 albums to her name.
1: What? Whoa.
2: Uh, And uh, most of them are uh, translations of the same three or four albums. Um, And her albums have names such as God and Creation, The Fall of Salvation, Christ and His Work, The Word of God, Christ and His Return. And they are interesting. What Um,
0: genre of music would you say that they are? Is it like...
2: They're like songs for kids, and they're all about a minute long. And every song title is a question. Um, <laughs> yes. And let's just here's. And she has six volumes of the Questions with Answers series. And uh, here are some of the questions uh, that you will have answered if you listen to volume one. Who is God? Who made God? Has God ever had a beginning? Will God die? Are there more gods than one? Where is God? These are all the titles of her songs. Wow. What it, what, it, what name is this under? Uh, oh, sorry. Her name uh, is now Dana Dirksen.
0: D-I-R-K-S-E-N.
2: Um, correct. And uh, her website is songsforsaplings.com. Yes, it is. Yes.
0: <laughs> I grew up with a- uh, many Dirksons in my Dutch uh, community so it's quite possibly I'm now related to Dana Dirksen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, but she has an office building right now uh, her office is above uh, Chipotle downtown
0: oh so she is still uh, here in town
2: still working yeah
0: wow right Chipotle. it is possible well I guess not right now to have her on the show but <laughs> it is possible <laughs> to have her on her show Wow. And I have no complaints about her performance either. She was great. Uh, everybody was was good, I thought. Wow. I wonder if she she worked with Paul. What, what was that musician's name? Paul DeLuna. Paul DeLay. Uh,
2: Paul DeLay. I if that's
0: how she kicked off her, her musical career. Um Wow, that's crazy. But I am still way more interested in that Amazon reviewer. <laughs> <laughs> I have like an hour's more worth of questions for that guy. Maybe How... that was her husband. <laughs> it could be. That's why he ordered Love and Dynamite after after they started dating. He was like yeah. looking into her low key.
2: <gasps>
0: wow. That is crazy. So it sounds like Hugh Kelso, the main character, the one armed, the one armed the one-armed guy is also in uh, visions, which is uh, if we're going to finish out our Stephen Miller, uh, Miller G uh, next month with visions, we will be seeing him again. So. And then we all stopped talking. <laughs> 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 well any uh so this this movie like i said uh, i will make it available on our portland at the movies uh youtube page so look for it there if it or on our uh, facebook page uh if you are interested It, i think it is worth scrubbing it's hard to scrub through though to to like find the good parts because it is it's like a it's like a treasure hunt
1: <laughs> without a lot <laughs> of treasure
0: yeah. <laughs> maybe i can put some uh, time codes in there for like it's, skip to here you know it's 180 uh, 80 minutes
1: see. it's 180 minutes long with two sets of t- uh, of uh credits at the end spend the hour watch the movie the whole thing yeah that's true 80 minutes long not 180 oh minutes, yeah 80 whatever minutes. yeah
0: <laughs> yes this is a two hour this is a hobbit <laughs> a hobbit sized movie no um so yeah, check it out. I, I there's I think it's uh, just like in Back Time we said last month, there is so much, um, not just kind of promise, which I think sounds kind of degrading, but there's so much more here that I think was able to be accomplished, whereas usually in these movies we are seeing how incompetent the makers were and how out of depth they were in a lot of things. And I just didn't feel... That much about this movie. It's not a. It's not a good movie. David Walker couldn't even make it through it. He said, but there is a, the intentionality of some of the things going on in it. I think is is really intriguing. For some of that, only did this three times. So, any last last thoughts on Love and Dynamite, starring Grizzly Adams Dan Haggerty?
2: I'm interested to see this through the uh, Stephen Miller filmography to its conclusion, you know, let's, uh, we're going backwards. And visions is where he got his start. Uh, (laughs) So I'm I'm really curious to see where he got his start and see how that turned out.
0: Yeah. And I think we, I think this is a step back in quality from back time. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that's just because of budgetary issues. Like I just kind of feel like this movie fell apart at the end and it was unfinished and kind of unfunded. Is kind of how it felt to me. So I guess we'll, I guess we'll see in the in his envisions. I guess I can hold it up here. I have it right on my desktop. So it, uh, ooh, it's got a it's got a lady on the front. Everyone can see that.
1: Wow. A so a lady.
0: Uh, let's see if who else has uh, it has uh, J.R. Pella and Tom Taylor, both of who were in this movie. It was the dad and the son. So oh, and Tom Taylor is one of the writers of visions so oh. dad dad is technically one of the they were of...
1: all kind of writers on this movie so <laughs>
2: <laughs> it'll be interesting to see if he has one arm in visions
0: well that's true although are are you are you positing that he really did lose his arm in that car wash accident <laughs>
1: <laughs> or well did he lose his arm between those two movies maybe
0: or, maybe yeah. that would be that would be kind of crazy that like i think of any other actor that like you watch their first move and you're like that's an actor i really like i wonder what else they did and there's like in between the Moon two movies he's <laughs> one arm short i guess oh that
2: would have yeah. been great like uh luke skywalker that's, from uh fire <laughs> <what I> <laughs> strikes back instead still <laughs> the exactly. scar on his chin and he just shows up with one arm
0: But it is barely explained except for a quick flashback in a car wash. (laughs) You see a wampa. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: guess it's all the
0: same. Well, Unipiper, what what have you been up to? You've been uh, doing lots with uh, Weird Portland United. So why don't you talk a little bit about
2: that? That's right. Um, We are giving out some money um, to folks who are keeping things weird during this time of quarantine. Um, You still have two days left if you would like to uh, nominate somebody to win $500, um, you can absolutely do that by going to uh, weirdportlandunited.org and uh, checking out the details there of our Keep Weird Alive campaign. Um, And then other than that, uh, keep your ears open for bagpipes. I'm still making my way uh, through Portland's neighborhoods uh, on my one wheel and spreading some uh, one wheeled uh, music while I still can. Nice. Mark, what about you when you're not hastily
0: trying to put a show together behind <laughs> the, the scenes that involve three people? the technology
2: going.
1: Um, yeah, uh, you and I host, uh, the Mark and Todd cast and we talk about Portland and, uh, sciencey topics. And our most recent episode is about, uh, memory and the Olympics of memory and, uh, all of the, the competitive memory industry
0: and, uh, so. Yeah, which is really funny. word on the street. Which I mean, my parents were big fans of that episode. <laughs> so, and and I could say it was great because I had little to do with with that one because it was you just talking all about uh, different ways to improve memory and the memory Olympics, and it was really interesting. So, um, yeah, fantastic. That's at markintalks dot com. Um, and we will be back, I guess, next month with Visions. We can be heard on Fun Employment Radio. Uh, Fun Employment is still doing a show every day uh, during quarantine, and they're doing lots of live Facebook and Instagram uh, Instagram events and hanging out and, and doing all that. So uh, go listen to them. Um, I know uh, everything I've been reading says podcast listenership is way down because it's a commuter activity and no one's commuting. Uh, but... <laughs> Um, If you're like me, who podcast is not just a commuting thing, it's nice to have uh, some of this extra, extra entertainment laying around. So go check out Fun Employment Radio. Uh, Other than that, um, I will take you out with something or other at the end of this movie. So thank you for listening. We will see you guys next time.